0: What's up you guys? Sean Rossett, Managing Editor, FightfulWrestling.com, FightfulMMA.com. You may be checking us out on the Pro Wrestling channel right now and saying, well gosh, golly Sean, what's going on here? What's what's happening here? Well, uh, I explained this uh, on the MMA show the other night. A couple years, or about a year ago when I started the MMA channel, because James Lynch was doing all these interviews, and if you saw him, he was doing, uh, I don't know, 15 a week? That would kind of clog up or I don't want to say clog up because it was great content, but it would fill up our channel very quickly. And I was like, you know what? We have enough. We can do an MMA channel since he's moved on to the score. I decided to give these shows a go, see how they uh, do on the wrestling channel, which is just our main channel again. But uh, I will upload this on the MMA side of things as well. You can still get individual fight reviews over there. You can still get Harry Kettles interviews there. Uh, Any boxing stuff that Carlos Toro does will be over there. So still lots of stuff going on over there. I'll tell you something that's going on over here right now. Showdown Joe Ferraro. What's up? What's going on, man? Everything is good. You know, interesting couple of
1: days to say the least. I'm back from Japan, but yeah, it's what it is.
0: You might not be able to see me on our podcast moving forward, Joe, but this Skype gimmick we got to do. Hangouts is going away. They're changing everything that we know and love. But you, you mentioned Ryzen. Tell me about your experience at Ryzen. Uh, I understand that Frank Trigg is adorable. Uh, he
1: is. Yeah. There was a, I think every show we basically try, there's always a theme that comes out. Um, by the end of the show or at least three quarters of the show, it's just something that the fighters uh, with, with some of the pre-fight questions that we ask them because, you know, we're, at least I'm notorious for, I don't care that you're a fighter we know you're a fighter we know that you put in a training camp we know that you're fighting this person or that person and this is what we need to look out for blah, blah, blah. who are you as a human being you know what kind of craziness of a life do you live and some of the stuff is crazy but some way somehow something adorable came up with frank and, and i kept calling him adorable and tried to get the hashtag triggs adorable going throughout the broadcast but yeah it was a, an interesting few days in japan i mean uh, the earthquake was one thing Waking up to that was uh, an interesting scenario. Come home, I got robbed. My truck got robbed last night. Like What? It's just ridiculous. Like, Yeah, we're trying to get an investigation going with the police. Another house down the road from me got robbed. It's been going on for a while in our town, apparently, and they've caught a bunch of them, but they're still going. So I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to put this on my social media. We're going to catch these guys. So either we catch them ourselves uh, before the police do, but uh, for their sake, I'll just be politically correct. They better hope the police catch them
0: first So. Some good old fashioned Canadian violence. You're going to pull their shirt up over their face and uppercut them repeatedly. Put them would, on their skates, so to speak. <laughs>
1: that could be interesting. Now, there's a few people that would like to get a hold of these uh, parties, but uh, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll terrible. They're opportunistic. They're they're pretty opportunistic. They're walking up and down the streets and the neighborhoods and checking for cars that are unlocked, and then they just go right away. Right. Mm. So cameras are out. People will be paying attention. But uh, yeah, looking forward to. uh, I got my own little scenario, Sean. I'll deal with it.
0: Well, Verizon 17 was this weekend. You were there. You did some great work there. Of course, Fightful alumni Frank Trigg uh, was there as well. Uh, some some notable names there. You had UFC veteran Olka Sasaki dropping a fight. You got some uh, – yeah, Johnny Case continuing to look very, very good. That was scary, um, man. That was scary. Johnny Case just, man, it makes me so happy to see him doing well. Tetsuya Kawajiri emerged victorious. That's awesome. Uh, Jake Hune, a name that I hadn't heard from in a while, but Sohi Ham was really good. That one, I, I love that one. Uh, what stood out to you on this show?
1: Uh, well, right afterwards, after you know, Sohi Ham got thrown by Jason Herzog, I don't think he meant it. It was just like she was dominating the fight, and then she went in there for the finish with the knees, started landing them, and Jason immediately went to stop the fight and kind of put his arms around her and just kind of, you know, typical referee fashion. You just You toss the fighter the other way. Well, she went with the momentum. She flew pretty mm-hmm. much flew across the ring. So poor Jason was taking a beating uh, online, saying, "You know, uh, Ryzen 18, uh, Herzog versus Ham, book it, Ryzen, come on, blah blah." So mm-hmm. that was one thing. Um The Kawajiri fight that was crazy. That was just, I mean, that dude's a warrior, man. He just kept going and going, did whatever he could, worked hard for 15 minutes, fantastic. But the uh, the Johnny Case fight was was scary because Kitaoka was you know, they, they, they had to, the the corner threw in the baton because he had taken an absolute beating. And it got scary. It got scary because, mm-hmm. you know, he's, he's taken a lot of abuse over the career. And, you know, I, I got scared personally. I, I just wanted the event to go on. And then I found myself, uh, you know, when we got back to the hotel, just kind of thinking to myself, like, I, my worst fear is calling a fight when somebody, knock on wood, dies, right? And it was one of those things where I was like, did I say something stupid? Did I say something? Was I okay? Like, were we professional? Like, you know, because, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm as... I tried to be unbiased as possible, and I was scared. So we didn't find out anything until the next morning. Uh, I, I went to the promoters and I said, "Listen, do we have anything on on Kityoko? They're like, "Yep, passed his. Uh, they did his MRI uh, concussion. Obviously, the damage was there, but uh, you know, nothing uh, life threatening at all." And I was like, "No, that's. I think you should retire. I think that's enough." So that that, that was that. And then of course, the rest of the fights were were pretty good. The, that the the four man bantamweight tournament to get to. Horiguchi was fantastic. I picked wrong in both of them. Uh good on Okikubo. I think he got that split decision. I think it should have went the other way to Matoya, but uh you mentioned Sasaki. Sasaki took a right hand from Ishiwatari and I think it was his right eye and that was early in the fight and he had double vision in that eye. So left eye fine, right eye double vision wasn't able to do much and eventually he just got choked out in the second. So uh good fight, great fight and then, of course that main event. Whew, Asakura is something else, man. So Great fight.
0: Seems like you had a a good time. Uh, Of course, we had the full coverage over at FightfulMMA.com. If you guys are not there on fight nights for UFC shows, you're missing out. We have, like, thousands of comments over there. We've got to pick them. We've got a lot of great stuff over there. The Talking MMA community that has joined us just do uh, such an awesome job of keeping things active. And I can't tell you guys how much that means to me. Joe, I'll be in Toronto next week. Interesting. These trips just keep getting longer and longer. And I'm going to be there from Wednesday till Monday. Ooh, I love it. Lots of wrestling going on. So I'll be running around like crazy. Just just so much happening. But we have uh, a UFC card this weekend in UFC Newark. We had a UFC 240 show that happened this past weekend. I did a full post show on UFC 240. Uh, this isn't a card that I said that I'd be telling my grandkids that I'm never going to have about. There were a lot of prospects that I think are worth keeping an eye on. Jillian Robertson, that's one. Four and one in the UFC. I think she popped up in the UFC at like three and two. And now she's got the record for uh, women's flyweight stoppages. And that's an easy record for somebody to have. Somebody's got to have it at this stage. But she has it. And now whenever she fights, it's must watch to me. You have uh, Eric Koch, who seven years ago was a 22-year-old ready to fight Jose Aldo for the title. It never happened. Yep. He fought for his job Saturday and kept it. You have Davison Figueredo, who just put himself in contention again by beating Pantoya, who was ready and primed for that. Now, Joseph Benavidez is getting that title shot, but Davidson Figueredo put his name in the conversation. Gavin Tucker, who faced his first bit of defeat about a year and a half ago and hasn't been seen since, came back and won. You had Hakeem Dawadu, who won via just had to track down Hori over and over and over again and then finally did it, held him down, threw a nasty knee to the body and a head kick. I'm not going to pretend that these prelims were incredibly exciting, Joe, but there was some stuff that happened here that I think that we're going to look back in a couple of years and say, oh, they were on this card and they were on this card. There were a lot of pretty good fighters on this show, especially when you think about what they'll become. Well, I
1: mean, Dawudu's performance. I mean, that head kick was brutal. Like it was that head kick finish was brutal. Like it was almost like a, a cross between uh, James Tony back in the day or Ray Mercer back in the day when they had their arms out uh, and he just you know mixed in MMA or kickboxing into that sort of stance and then whammo uh, drops Hori. That was really good. Good on Gavin Tucker. Uh, he had to work to get that submission, that's for sure. But that figueiredo Pantoja fight, come on, man, that was that was just stupidly awesome. Anyone that thinks that there wasn't a fan of that fight, you're a donkey. I mean, that was absolutely incredible. I mean, Figueredo, I, I don't know. I, I guess it was a 50-minute fight. Can he do that for 25 minutes versus anybody? I don't know. Maybe a 125 you can. But, man, he, his performance, that first round was something else. The second round was really good. Third round, yeah, it was Pantoja kind of getting back but not enough. But Figueredo, man, I think we talked about him. I mean, these are the top guys. It was three and four heading into this fight. Uh, to determine you know potentially who could get next to Henry Cejudo or at least Joseph Benavides eventually. So that was an absolutely ridiculously fantastic fight, and good on Eric Koch, man, 170 pounds at this point, at this stage in his career. Yeah,
0: stay there. So the thing with Eric Coke, even though he's not found any wealth of success at featherweight or lightweight, he achieves rarefied air, Joe. He became one of the the, the latest, and there's not that many. Uh, in the UFC that have won fights across three divisions, featherweight, lightweight, and welterweight. Uh, of course, we've seen some other guys do it, but uh, it doesn't happen a lot. However, there is a woman that has accomplished that, but not in the UFC yet. She fought at 115 pounds a year ago, debuted in the UFC at 135 pounds a couple of month ago, months ago, then stepped in and beat Alexis Davis at 125 pounds this past weekend. Viviane Araújo, someone who I've been touting uh, just heavily, I, I think she's ready for. I mean, when I say ready for another top ten person, she just fought number seven and beat her. Just cold wasn't in the UFC a few months ago, Joe. Uh, this is a woman who didn't have a pro fight until like a month before she was twenty nine. She's fighting like now is the time for her to make her run, and I admire that. I one year, less than one year, she's won fights across three different weight divisions. That is incredibly impressive to me, Joe.
1: Absolutely, I should. I should. Before I continue, speaking of women's MMA, uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about Jillian Robertson's performance. I mean, she's, Mm -hmm. like you said, she is someone that we should be paying attention to. But at 125 125 pounds, when you look at the rankings, neither women that we just spoke about are in the rankings, right? So it's kind of weird. So it's just a matter of time um, before Jillian gets in those rankings. And, of course, with Vivian doing what she did against Alexis Davis, a ranked fighter, top 10 ranked fighter, uh, who, by the way, moved up a ranking even though she lost. I I don't know how that works, but... Yeah. Anyways, um, she's got skills. Competing in three different divisions uh, brings a lot to the octagon. Brings a lot to mixed martial arts. I'm very interested to see who they match her up against with next, because she's got the skills. She went, you know, toe to toe with someone who's been uh, a veteran, you know, who, who's been fighting for titles for a long time. So good on her. Again, remains to be seen where she goes from here, who they match her up against. But yeah, she's she's damn damn skilled. Let's just say that.
0: Yeah, like I mentioned like in a few years you'll be looking back at this card and be like, "Damn, all those people were on that card." I see that for Dawadu, even though he stuttered a little bit. I definitely see that for Arijo, although now like I said is the time for her to make that run because she's 33. You got to do it. You got to do it now. Um then I see Jillian Robertson and to me, she is she is somebody that is always going to be exciting cuz you know she can finish. And you know that she's willing to finish. I I love that, and that's not something that you always see in that division because, let's be honest, sometimes you see, quote-unquote, technical striking battles that look more like sparring in some of these divisions. So I think that that Jillian Robertson and Vivian Arejao look great, and I think that Robertson is 125. Wouldn't hate seeing those two fight each other, to be honest with you, Uh, although I know you kind of want to stack contenders as best you can whenever it comes to that. Outside of those prelims, you also uh had Christoph Jotko on the main card defeat Marc Andre Berrialt, who is now 0-2 in the UFC, for some reason was on this, this main card. Uh Armin Saryukin defeated Olivier Abin Mercier. Unanimous decision. There was not a lot f- to these. Like I, I would not recommend anybody watch these fights, Joe.
1: No, I didn't have a chance to watch the Jotko fight either. But based on your tweets about Marc-Andre Barrio, I, I, I realized, nah, I don't think I'm going to spend some time watching this fight. Uh, I read some of your comments, so I was just like, nah, I'm not going to waste my time. The Oben the, uh, mercier fight, we weren't able to watch. Uh, we actually got to Saitama Arena, just got to the arena, set up in, in one of the production rooms, and um, Trey put it up on his phone so we were watching the UFC from there. So we did catch this fight here. And from what I saw, uh, the right decision was made. I, I don't know. I guess Oben mercier I mean, it, it, it's not like the guy's in his 40s. Uh, he's only thirty years old, but I, I, maybe it was styles make fights. I don't know, but he didn't look like a guy that really wanted to do much at one hundred and fifty-five pounds and, and trying to keep himself relevant. Um, I don't. I, I, heading into this fight, I thought he was going to win, no problem. Uh, clearly, I was wrong, uh, but it is what it is. Like I said, those two fights there, nothing. I mean, I got it's hindsight's twenty twenty. I mean, imagine putting Dawoodoo do in the opening fight of the pay per view, right? Different story altogether, but uh jotko should have won that fight hands down how the split decision uh was the right call but you on paper did you not think he was going to just dominate him
0: yeah right yeah i agree uh elsewhere on this show boy jeff neal looks like something to 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 worry about yeah he looked great um it does bother me when i see people get in von flu choke position and they don't do it like, I don't know if OSP has a patent on that move or what the deal is, <laughs> but nobody does it. But Jeff Neal just throws down some heavy ground and pound. He's 4-0 in the UFC, 5-0 in contender series. I, I believe it's time for a top 15 opponent, Joe. I think it's, you, you got to do it. He's, he's ready. He, what are you waiting for at this point? Jeff Neal looked great, just obliterated Nico Price.
1: Well, I'll ask you this, though. How would he do against Vicente Luque, uh, Dos Santos, or Magni?
0: I see. I don't know. Well, Magny's yeah. got his own set of problems right now. Um, I think all three of those are beatable, depending on the situation. I don't know, man. But I think I don't you know. know. That, those are I, good
1: fights.
0: I would put like I would put the odds like ain't nobody above a, a plus one sixty in that fight for mm-hmm. across any three of them for me. Uh, there's not a lot Neil Magny hasn't seen, but you wonder how much Neil Magny has right now with gosh he, he put a lot of cage miles on himself in a very short period of time but yeah
1: that's the I, one fight I think I'd like to see with Jeff Neal
0: yeah I think that would be a good one uh once all that that mess gets settled for Neil Magny but Jeff Neal man he, he came in and you know he's willing to finish and to me the Bilal Muhammad fight was the one that made me say okay yep yeah let's pay attention to him because even though he didn't finish Bilal Muhammad we both know Joe that's a hell of a win Oh, yeah, it's huge.
1: I mean, if you, you when you fight a workhorse like Bilal, you better bring your lunch pail, better be blue-collar, and you either better be ready to go for 15 minutes or have some sort of tension Nasukawa-like finishing move uh, that you can surprise him, surprise Bilal with. But yeah, Jeff Neal is nice. He's he's moving up there nicely uh, on our unranked radar because it's only the top 15. Thankfully, it's only the top 15. But here's a guy that I'd like to see. Uh, like I said, uh, I know Magny's got stuff to deal with, but... When you look at that top 15 right now, I only gave you number 13, 14, and 15. I mean, I think he would have his hands full uh, with Luque and Dos Santos. But either way, I'd, I'd love to watch those fights.
0: Co-main event, Chris Cyborg beats the brakes off of Felicia Spencer. Now, the women's featherweight division is in such a position that you get hit 122 times and somehow you emerge better for it. Uh, that, that says all you need to say about the state of this lack of division that Felicia Spencer at no time threatened to win this fight at no time had any real significant offense, got hit a bunch in the face and everybody was like, man, she looked awesome. Well, comparatively speaking, the people who usually get hit in the face by Chris Cyborg, yes. Dana White seemed to imply that Cyborg didn't have a good performance. I disagree. Even though Chris Cyborg didn't finish this fight, I thought Chris Cyborg had an outstanding performance. She fought at range when she needed to. She fought in the clinch when she needed to. She staved off almost every attempt of Felicia Spencer. Uh, She peppered away. I love that towards the end of the fight when Felicia Spencer wasn't willing to check kicks, Cyborg threw those in there and looked great too. Uh, Strictly speaking about in the cage, how did you feel about this? I, I will say it is impressive that Felicia Spencer didn't go down because Who's going to knock her out now is is what you got to wonder. But uh, your, your thoughts on that, Joe? Uh, it, it was a fight that I had sort of one eye on uh, as it was
1: live and then one eye on my notes as I was, as I was getting ready for the mm-hmm. Rise Broadcast. But then when I looked at the stat, I mean, I was kind of looking and based on what, what I was hearing from, from other people that were watching, a lot of oohs and ahs. And every time it was an ooh and ah, I would look over and it was more or less Felicia Spencer doing something uh, or taking something from Cyborg and walking through it. Afterwards, when you look at the stats, I mean, 122 significant strikes for Cyborg, 38 for Felicia Spencer. Uh, you know, I think no takedowns. She was 0 for 8. Felicia was in her takedowns. Uh, I, I'm still giving her kudos. You sat there and went toe to toe with Cyborg. You, you didn't get knocked out. That, that's, you know, that's somewhat impressive. I'm not sure I listen to Dana White. Dana White and Chris Cyborg right now, or Chris Cyborg's people, are going through negotiations. So anything to dev- devalue a fighter, Dana's going to do that. Uh, if you really. It's, it's just it's just promotion or promoter 101 spin doctoring things, right? So uh, who knows? Where Cy- I'm sure we're going to talk about it shortly. But um, good on Cyborg. She emerged victorious versus someone that's young in the division that could probably give her a hard time a year or two from now. Uh, but also good on Felicia. You know, you just, just got to figure out a few more things with your game and you could beat somebody like Cyborg. So I'm not really concerned for Felicia. Uh, hopefully she's okay. I'm sure she is. But other than that, I'm okay with the performance that I saw from Felicia. Uh, but right now, she's not ready to beat Cyborg. I think within a year, she will.
0: Yeah, uh, I'm not ready to write Felicia Spencer off. That that was impressive that she was able to take those strikes, but I'm not like falling all over myself over it. Uh, meanwhile, I think Cyborg looked great. Do I think that she's going to beat Amanda Nunes? No, I don't. Uh, you mentioned Dana White devaluing her. She seems like she wants to stay. She was hanging around with a Cyborg versus Nunes shirt there. Now, I'm going to try to decipher the Cyborg Dana White talks. Cyborg says that she text Dana White after that last fight. Well, I'm sure that she did want a rematch immediately after losing for the first time since she was a pro. However, from what I understand, that fight was offered again, and Cyborg was like, ah, no, not for this deal or whatever it may be. Uh, I don't know what happened there. But it's clear that she wants that fight. Amanda Nunes wants that fight too. So why not? The only other person I'm really interested in seeing Chris Cyborg fight, there are two people. Julia Budd and Kayla Harrison. And the only reason I'm interested to see her fight Julia Budd is because Julia Budd is the Bellator featherweight champion. And I would love to see Chris Cyborg fight Kayla Harrison because we've spent a decade watching Chris Cyborg fighting people that she's way bigger than. I would love to see her fight somebody that is way bigger than her. I think that would be an interesting aspect. When you look at all this, Joe, who who is the... Who is the right fight for Cyborg? I think it's Nunez. and the fact that she came back and won a fight after losing, I like that too. I think we know the
1: result of the Nunes fight. Yeah, if they fight again, right? It, it might be the right fight, but I don't think it's going to be. Uh, it's not going to go Cyborg's way. I mean, Amanda Nunez is is just a beast right now, right? I mean, I, I know I'm I'm I might be the only person on my own little soapbox here. I would I'd much rather see. Amanda Nunez and Valentina Shevchenko a third time. Um, mm-hmm. That's the fight I want to see. Uh, but other than that, I can see what's what's happening with the way they're trying to match things up at 145 pounds because she's got to defend that title. And Cyborg seems to be the only one right now uh, that technically deserve that title. I would like to see the Julia Budd fight. I would like to see a motivated Julia Budd uh, take on someone like Cyborg. But again, when it comes to Cyborg and the likes of Vanderlei Silva and, when, when he was sort of towards the end of his prime, we don't know where they're going to show up. We don't know where they're going to sign. We don't know w- what goes through their mind. So uh, either way, no matter where Cyborg ends up, whether she stays with the UFC, ends up with Bellator, or ends up elsewhere, we're going to tune in, we're going to watch, and we're going to see what we have to do. I just don't want a situation for Cyborg where, you know, don't make the mistake that a guy like Fedor made, right? Fedor has never competed in the UFC, should have went in his prime. Uh, Would have went down, hands down, uh, if he competed in the UFC. If that Brock Lesnar fight happened, or any other fights that took place that could have happened in the UFC, there wouldn't be much of an argument that potentially he'd have been the greatest of all time, right? Uh, Cyborg had that opportunity. We always thought that she was the, or at least I did, greatest you know fighter of all time in the women's division until
0: she met uh, Amanda, right? So I, I, and here's the thing: I, I do eventually want to see Cyborg and Kayla Harrison, but. I just know this is going to happen, Joe. All that talk. How, how long did we have to deal with hearing that people like Ronda Rousey were scared of Chris Cyborg? Because mm-hmm. they wouldn't go up to 140, 145 pounds. Meanwhile, I mean, it's, it's pretty common knowledge. Rousey was ready to fight Cyborg at the Staples Center uh, when she fought Carmouche. That fight was supposed to happen. They couldn't put a deal together with Chris Cyborg. They wouldn't pay her the amount that she was worth. And that fight didn't happen. I guarantee there's a bunch of just – she Cyborg will not want to go to 155 pounds. She will not no. want to. No. Like so many other women did for her moving up to 145. Now, uh, we'll see how that goes. But those are the three fights I want to see. I want to see Amanda Nunes. I want to see uh, Julia Budd, maybe. And then I want to see Kayla Harrison in some degree. The the only problem is Joe, they're all three in different companies. And Hey, you know what? If Valentina Shevchenko beats Amanda Nunes, for some reason, I wouldn't mind seeing that either just out of the sheer, like fantasy aspect of it. Do I think that would bode well for Shevchenko? Probably not. Probably not considering the size discrepancy, but I kind of want to see it anyway. Uh, I want to see that a lot more than I would ever want to see Holloway versus Edgar again. This was, like a great fight or anything it was two great fighters and I do my match recommendations after this and I give you like oh should you watch this should you not you should because it's two of the best fighters there are but this there wasn't a lot to this fight Max Holloway won Uh, Frankie Edgar didn't look out of his depth he didn't look like he needed to retire fortunately he said he wasn't going to retire what what do you think of this and uh, what do you think about Frankie Edgar's future
1: I just wish somebody would have told me not to watch the fight with commentary on. I think that was, you know, yeah, I might sound like a hypocrite because I'm a play-by-play guy myself, but uh, I I might re-watch this fight without commentary. I mean, based on what I saw, I got to the point where I just turned it off. Uh, But what I saw, Max Holloway won this fight fair and square. Uh, Definitely not 50-45. I disagree with that scorecard, but it just seemed like every time Max would throw something or land something, it was like the greatest strike or something ever thrown uh, and that everything Frankie was throwing and landing was like, ah, ah, it's okay. Made you feel like that Holloway was winning every single round at minimum 10, eight, maybe some 10, seven. That's what it felt like. And I was like, this is ridiculous. So, um, you know, I, I started watching without the commentary and then started seeing where uh, Max Holloway was winning over Frankie Edgar, Frankie Edgar, you know, he did the best he could. Um, you know, people could say it's a biased opinion from my end. This, yeah, I love Frankie. Frankie's my boy. Uh, but he did not win this fight. Did what he had to do. Very difficult to deal with that reach, as we can see. And Max Holloway is something special. Man, the guy's a stud. Uh and did great. You know, he emerged victorious. He did, he said flat out in the post-fight interview that he wanted to go the full distance to prove the naysayers wrong. Right? Uh, but yeah, um, good on Max. Fantastic by Max. Good on Frankie for you know, at his age, you know, it's not like he's old, but in MMA age, he's kind of old, stepping in there and going toe-to-toe. Uh, with who many believe is the GOAT uh, at Featherweight. So good on him, uh, and good for both guys for putting on that type of performance. Was it Sean Rossap, stellar, get a ribbon, get a trophy, get a recommendation type of fight? I agree, it wasn't spectacular. It was very neutralizing per se, but uh, I enjoyed it. Again, my bias to Frankie Edgar is one thing, but I did enjoy the fight. Sucks he didn't win, and it sucks being around people that – uh at the time when the fight was going on, we're all cheering for Holloway and I'm sitting all by myself with my arms crossed and the only Frankie Edgar fan watching the fight. So uh, you know, I interested to see where Frankie's gonna go from here. I know Joe Rogan had mentioned hundred and thirty-five pounds. Uh, I don't think Frankie's gonna make one thirty five probably could, but I don't think he should suffer to make one hundred and thirty five pounds and compete. That's to see where he goes from here.
0: I thought that was a very reckless suggestion by Joe Rogan. Like I respect Joe Rogan, but I, come on now. We, we don't need to see that. We do not need to see that at that weight. Well, UFC 240, like I said, uh, some things happen that set up the stage for the future. Uh, I'll tell you something that destroys uh, the, the past or, and the future for a company. Battlefield FC, again, does not pay their talent. Guys like Will Brooks, Gleason Bow, Jan Finney, Brian Carraway fought on Battlefield FC this past week. Uh, this, this happened in 2017 and my God, uh, Sarah Kaufman and Jessica Rose Clark went through this a couple years ago. How can you even run a second event if you have these issues again for the first time and how do so many fighters that supposedly have great management and and I believe in, I, I know who some of these managers are and they're great managers. How do they fall for this shit?
1: Fantastic question. I don't get it. I don't understand it. Um, I mean, at this point here, the only way you should have a fighter show up and compete here is to get the money ahead of time. And no promoter is going to give you the money ahead of time. Right? Like, I mean, if it's it's the second time it's occurred, just don't even bother. Just know who's involved behind the event. Know the names. Know the parties involved. And if they get involved with any other new, quote-unquote, new promotion stay away because it's not cool. It's not great for the fighters. And um, it sucks. Absolutely sucks because nobody wants to put in a training camp, uh, especially like a guy like, for example, Gleason Tabao or whomever. Uh, beat, Will, beat Will Brooks on this show. That's a hell yeah. of a win. Yeah. Brian Carraway. I mean, these are all guys trying to get back to the UFC potentially. Uh, and it's too hard for them now when they go out, they fight, they don't get paid. Right. I mean, referees are pulled off two days out. I heard like
0: it's insane. It, it's frustrating. And it honestly, it, it's angry a little bit. It's, as a wrestling an- analyst, a uh, former manager would call it, it's outlaw mud show bullshit is what it is. And I don't like that, man. MMA has come such a long way, and we don't need stuff like this. Don't need stuff like this. Uh, Dana White implies that Conor McGregor might be on standby for the upcoming Poirier versus uh, no. Habib fight. I bet. They ain't doing that without a media tour. Come on. No chance. Uh, Tony Ferguson should be on standby for this. Correct. That, that's how I feel. What do you think, Joe?
1: Yeah, you're bang on. I mean, I don't get this whole Conor McGregor thing at all. Like, I mean, at some point, people have to step off the Conor McGregor bandwagon and say, okay, dude, you, you got to fight. You got to do something. You got to, you know, you've done so much uh, for MMA in the past, but there's still things that you need to do, like promote a fight if you're going to step in there. Uh, and or I think Tony Ferguson being who he is, I, I do believe. He should be on standby, right? That that's just. I mean, this whole Conor McGregor talk is is kind of silly because Conor McGregor, uh, under the right circumstances, can say, "Yep, I'll fight this person on this date here. Let the fun begin, and let's enjoy Conor McGregor, you know, promoting a fight uh, like we always do, and let's get a media tour going. He's back, blah blah blah." That's the stuff that we want to see from Conor McGregor. Not, oh, by the way, he's fighting now because such and such got injured, right?
0: So. Joseph Boza says, "Stupid rumors suggest that Conor versus Jose Jose Aldo could happen at UFC 244. I would love that fight. I think that's a, I think that's a phenomenal fight. I think that is a standalone main event, no title needed, no championship needed. 155 pounds. I love that fight. I why not? Yeah, you know, I mean it's it's it's. I, I think anybody
1: now that Conor McGregor is facing, we're not going to think." He's that much of a favorite, especially in the upper echelon of each division. Uh, Again, we can go back and say uh, Conor McGregor put on that masterful performance, quick performance against Jose Aldo Jr., landing that beautiful left hand and and silencing all the critics real quick. But Jose Aldo's still a bad man. Like, let's be honest for a second. I would love to see that rematch.
0: So we're going to play a segment right here. And might get us outlawed. Who knows? Do you believe Dana White? Wish I could add some fancy music, but I'm too lazy for post-production. Dana White says Conor McGregor could be a late replacement at UFC 242. Do you believe it or not? No, I do not believe it. Dana White says that BJ Penn's next UFC bout is going to be his last. Disco Inferno, and I, former, or not former, he's a WCW veteran. Uh, When I complained about this, said, well, he fights for a living. He's not fighting for free. And I said, "Uh, yeah, he is with women and bouncers fairly often uh do you believe this will be bj penn's last ufc fight yes
1: i do believe it'll be his last fight what if he wins it's his last fight in the ufc he should
0: not be competing again dana white says colby covington will get a win or a title fight with a win at ufc newark do you believe dana white
1: no i do not believe dana white in this circumstance although i believe it's going to happen this is a situation where it's somebody promoting a fight uh tune in and
0: watch so uh, a pretty short segment we have there but a segment nonetheless Uh, i'll tell you we should do more segments i I know i I like it i can chop them up pretty easily it it works i wish that this uh past ufc pay-per-view card happened in vegas so we can play what they make that was a fun one where you guess the salaries of all these people but let me tell you something i'm very impressed with joe Mackenzie Dern had a child last month. She is already scheduled back in action against Amanda Rebus, who is not exactly somebody that looks to be run over. She's seven and one in her career, but Mackenzie Dern back in action in October. uh, I would be shocked if she made weight, but that's, that's like barring the pregnancy. If that never happened, whatever. Uh, What do you think about this one? Warrior. I mean,
1: crazy. If you ask me, I mean, giving birth and then already having a fight scheduled, man, there's a lot of stuff that, uh, you know, a woman's body goes through uh, after having a baby. So a lot tougher than me. I'll tell you that.
0: I admire that, man. She wants to get right back in the cage. And like I said, I mean, good God, man. She fought last May, and that was the the last time since before the pregnancy. Uh,
1: I'll give you a a segment if you want. Come here. Okay. You want to come on? Do you want to say hi to Sean and everybody watching? No, all right. So he's uh, he's done his Fortnite. You know, somebody won three million dollars playing Fortnite.
0: God, I saw that. And and like fifth place got like nine hundred thousand. Well, how much? Fifth place got like nine hundred thousand. There was a Fortnite. You tournament. better lock him in his room,
1: Joe. He's gone. He's going to play Fortnite. Hey, three million. I want to cut.
0: And that's USD, Joe. That's <laughs> like that's like a billion Canadian. <laughs> that is a billion Canadian.
1: All right, so we'll talk about it after. Okay. That's a lot of money. It's at least 5 million Canadian, that's for sure. So Yeah, it's a
0: ton. I yeah. I mean, I know that when I was there last year, the conversion rate was 20%, so I yeah, learned that exactly. pretty well. But there is a UFC show this weekend. Uh it's UFC Fight Night Newark. Joe, this is unusual and welcoming. I don't know what's going on in Newark. I don't know what's going on on ESPN. But we have a main card prelim start time of noon Eastern and a main card start time of 3 p.m. Eastern. I'm going to throw a goddamn pizza party, Joe. I think
1: it's a great idea. You're right. Yeah, I love it.
0: I'm so excited. Uh, There's a lot of people that you guys have probably never heard of on these prelims. But we're going to hit you with these betting odds regardless. Hannah Goldie, a minus 165. Miranda Granger, a plus 145. Claudio Silva, a massive favorite. Huge. Minus 410. Cole Williams, a plus 330. You have Matt Schnell, a minus 115. Jordan Espinoza a minus 105. That is a virtual pick You have uh, Lauren Murphy, a plus 145. A traveled veteran. Taking on Maria. Um, what's her name? Mara Romero. B- Borella. Okay, cool. I can roll it. Borella. But that's fine. That's what I wanted. She's a minus (laughs) 165. You have the sister of Valentina Shevchenko, Antonina Shevchenko, a minus 145. Lucy Pudilova, a plus 125. Uh, You have Dong Hyun Ma, a plus 290 underdog. Scott Holtzman, a minus 350 favorite. Gerald Mearshart, a plus 145. Trevin Giles, a minus 165. And that's just... Like, I can't just keep grouping all the people that most people don't know about together because there's too many. This is not a big card. This is really a two-three fight card, Joe. Uh, When you look at these prelims, uh, Mickey Gall, plus 105, Salim Tahori a minus 125. What stands out to you? Because to me, there's not a lot. Could it be a great card? Yes, but nothing stands out to me.
1: Yeah, I just, um, I'm paying close attention to that Shevchenko fight because pretty little can pull this off. Uh, You got some value right there. Mickey Gall is getting no love uh, from anybody right now. Those odds are kind of close considering, you know, I mean, Mickey Gall does have a name, but uh, I I won't repeat what Diego Sanchez said about him. Uh, But other than that, that's interesting to note. Uh, The Barilla Murphy fight's probably something, you know, we should be all paying attention to. But other than that, like you said, there's only so much in this card that you can really be like, huh? Who? Where? What?
0: Yeah, it's it's a bummer, man. Like, Mickey Gall's a guy that they want to keep, at least have somebody that people will be familiar with on these prelims. You have the name value of Antonina Shevchenko just because of who she's related to. That's nice. You have some emerging prospects in Goldie and Granger. Goldie looks like a million bucks. You take one look at Hannah Goldie, Joe, and you realize, oh, okay, of course, uh, if she's good at MMA, UFC is going to want to push her uh, because – she looks like she could be a star. She looks like she could have uh, crossover quality. I mean, she's just jacked to the gills, yeah. and she can fight. And that's yeah, you know, that's the first thing you got to wonder: Can she fight? Yes, she can. Uh, I'm interested to see what she does. I mean, I'm telling you, she is a specimen. She looks like an action figure. It's unbelievable. But other than that, like there are no fights that I'm like, oh God, I I gotta see that fight. Um, Lauren Murphy. I'm always interested to see her fight because she's the type of person that I feel could just go on a run, you know, like, like maybe some of that, that, uh, that experience kicks in and she ends up uh, going on going on that run. But Barela is like two and one, in the UFC. This will be the first time she's had two UFC fights in a year. Just doesn't do it for me. Uh, Lauren Murphy will hang around no matter what, but I'm picking, uh, Goldie, Claudio Silva, Borea, probably Espinoza, Shevchenko, and Gall to win these fights. But then there, there's that main card. Trevin Giles looks interesting. Looks like somebody the UFC would like as well. I'm picking him. Uh, I got Holtzman over Dong Hyun Ma. Joe Kim Silva probably over Hak Paras. Uh That fight is plus 205 Silva, minus 245 Hak Parast. But I can't think of anything here that makes... Say my my cousin who cat makes sure to catch the big fight. Say, oh yeah, I'm gonna watch that on the prelims. Nothing, nothing. No, I am interested in Darko Stosic. He's a minus one thirty against Kennedy in Chekawoo. Any thoughts on Stosic or or his opponent as as we go into the two fights where people actually know who these these guys are?
1: Uh, well, in terms of Darko, I mean, I've, I've heard the name on numerous occasions. I said I think I watched two fights ago. I forgot who it was. Uh obviously I've seen his UFC fights, but that, that Kimball victory was ridiculous with the elbows. Uh then he fights Devin Clark and he goes to the decision. I mean there was I think it was the Emil Zaire fight. Uh which was a yeah kick fight. I remember that fight way back when that was a solid scrap there. But um kid's a beast. He he's tough as nails.
0: Um, twenty seven man he, that that Devin Clark loss um I think Devin Clark is, is a little bit better than a lot of people think he is. He's had some some rough goes of it, but, yeah. I mean, they put they put Stasich in there against a guy who had a lot more UFC experience than him.
1: Yeah, I mean, Kennedy goes on Dana White's Contender Series. He emerges victorious, then comes to the UFC, uh, and then gets triangled, right, late in a fight. So uh, it's tough to say, we'll see how this fight goes. I mean, both of these guys can finish fights early uh, and find themselves in a bit of trouble if the fight does continue past, you know, the second – it goes into the third round. So it
0: remains to be seen. And- and, you know, Stasich going to the decision with with Clark, I mean, that's just how Clark wins his UFC fights. He's never had a finish. Yep. He grinds people out, manages to emerge victorious. I think this fight is going to be very exciting, but we'll see how it goes. And then, ah, Jim Miller versus Clay Guida. This will probably be pretty good. It doesn't mean a damn thing, Joe, and that's a bummer. <laughs> it doesn't mean a damn thing, but it's it's your your senior circuit card. That's what it is, fight. It's, it's a fun fight. It is a fun fight. Uh, These guys seem like the kind of guys that have faced each other 237 times. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Have they ever fought? I don't think they have. I don't think they have, no. They seem like the kind of guys that would have fought a lot, but they haven't. Ah, so here's the thing. Clay Guida beat BJ Penn. What does that mean? Who knows? But uh, he's won three of his last four. You've got Jim Miller, who's won two of his last three. Somebody got to win, Joe. That's the joy of this. Yeah, somebody's got to win, and they're a little bit more relevant again. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. If at least, well at right. least, at least, as far as the UFC marketing machine goes, sure. could be. Yeah, I mean,
1: this one here to me just screams fifteen minutes. It's going the distance. Uh, I mean, can can Jim Miller submit Clay Guida? Absolutely. Uh, can Clay Guida TKO Jim Miller? I don't know. Right, I mean, he's not going to knock him out. I don't think he'll knock him out. So uh, if anyone has more of an opportunity to win this fight, I think uh, it's actually Jim Miller. Uh, and uh, yeah, he, he's the favorite at minus 175. So remains to be seen. I just think that it, it, it's a fight that's got, it's labeled as, as 15 minutes. Um, maybe there's one of these guys has an ace up their sleeve. We don't know about, we'll see. And we've seen them compete forever. So surprises are plenty, who knows?
0: Main event. Now, this one matters. This is a fight that matters, uh, but only Colby Covington's getting a title fight with a win here.
1: Hmm.
0: Minus 225 over Robbie Lawler, plus 185. Robbie Lawler can punch somebody in the face and put their lights out, Joe, but Colby Covington is very good at MMA. How do you see this one going? Keeps his distance. I'd I like, I mean,
1: I wish I could find out more if they've sparred. I'm sure they have. Uh, an American top team, right? That That's the, the, the real litmus test that we should probably be paying attention to. But the, the odds disparity, the, the, the separation between, excuse me, minus 225 for Colby Covington and a, and a plus 185 for Robbie Lawler, that, that's pretty big, uh, all things considered. But Colby Covington has a way of making things difficult for people, has a way of using his range, using his wrestling, using his speed, uh, not super fast, but enough to annoy uh, using his range and distance it 'll be interesting to note if Robbie Lawler can close him down uh, and land a bomb or two because if he can 't and he doesn 't kobe covington 's got twenty five minutes to showcase his skill set uh, and en route to kamara Usman so interesting
0: now the the Robbie Lawler does have that that reputation of be able to put your lights out he 's not finished a person since two thousand and fifteen yeah. joe he 's not finished anybody before the fifth round since two thousand and fourteen. He's not finished anybody in the first round since 2013. That all bodes very well for Colby Covington, I believe.
1: The but, booking but of this before fight. Before you
0: say anything else, I want to put a little bit of a
1: caveat on that. Ben Askren just yes. about went to sleep. That,
0: that's, that's a good point. That is a, that is have an been incredible out point.
1: Cold in that first round for the yes. love of all things holy. <laughs> I don't know how he stayed awake because I mean he took a knee to the face versus uh Masvidal and was out cold instantly uh, right. and the next thing you know but before that he fights Robbie
0: Lawler and had his brains rattled and wouldn't go to sleep so interesting. yeah you you were completely right so that that ability is there when putting together this fight it's very confusing to me Joe you put a guy who's lost two in a row who's lost three of four up against a guy oh by the way his one win is against Donald Cerrone not in the division anymore uh his last win before that, Carlos Condit, not I don't even think he's active anymore. Um it, it's you put him up against the guy who should have the title shot right now. All due respect to, to uh uh to anybody else in that division, but it should be should be Covington fighting for the title right now. But without this fight. Th- does that is that a little weird to you? Yeah. Very three true. out of four losses, three out of four fights you lose. You lose two in a row. Oh, hey, we're going to put you in there against a the top contender. No, man.
1: Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're absolutely right. It doesn't make much sense because coming off, we, he lost the title. You're right. He lost the title. Then he fights Cerrone. Uh, and then back to back. Yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. I mean, again, we can harken back to the fact that this should have been a rematch with Ben Askren. But things have changed in the division so much since they've competed now. So I could see that this booking was made when it's all good. But,
0: yeah. Well, I'll be here. I'll be talking about the show this Saturday. Uh, We will, of course, put this show up on the MMA channel as well. But I'm going to try them out live over here for a little while, see how engagement works. If you guys want to help us out, leave a thumbs up. We're going to start doing the Super Chat gimmick over here too, where if you want your comment or question read on the air, donate a Super Chat and we'll do that. Joe, what do you got going on this week?
1: Uh, so, actually, before we get to what's going on for me, I think Joseph Bose has got a bit of an interesting comment. Uh, Dana's using Robbie to get Colby out of the picture. Could this be. main event is weird. So here's the deal. Obviously, you know, this is beyond conspiracy here. This is a total conspiracy. But what if someone from AT&T, and we can, we can name at least two or three people uh, at at and in the brass there, that told Dana, look, Robbie Lawler will destroy Colby Covington if you want Colby out, because he's no longer with at t pretty much. Uh, Robbie will do it. And this could be a situation where Dana's diverting. And if Lawler takes out Covington, is that a way for him to get rid of him some way, somehow? Right? I I think it's a fantastic uh, conspiracy theory, Joseph Boza. But, again, it remains to be seen what will happen. Because according to Sean, according to Sean, Sean mentioned, you know, Robbie hasn't done much uh, knocking people out. So, again, it remains to be seen. And it's a good thing we'll be paying attention to that. Uh, So, but thank you, Joseph, for posting that up there. As for what I'm doing, uh, first things first, the wife's birthday tomorrow. It's probably my best interest oh, to make wow. I purchase a present for her. Um, yes. Yeah, so this guy here has got this weird octopus hat on right now. We're going to head out momentarily. Uh, and then, so, do you want to show yourself or no? Show yourself. And then I got some, uh, obviously, some. Can you see him?
0: Wow! <laughs> One land alive. Yeah. He wants to just I, show up right now. I respect it. I'm a member of the Kraken fight team. So, and I mean, he's, he's got
1: his Kraken hat on there, and you know
0: he's probably going to get in some trouble thank god he's not in school we gotta hire him to to come to uh empire fight series and walk all of our guys out to the cage in an octopus hat i think he's officially challenged you sean man i hate monopoly i'm sure that version is monopoly monopoly sucks it always ends in kicking over the board after four hours i can't handle it i can't handle
1: it i absolutely love it anyways lots to do for me over here lots of work catching up here and then other than that watching some fights, man. Looking forward to this early fight time because I'm having a barbecue on Saturday. You know what will be on the background,
0: right? Yes. Uh, Guys, leave us a thumbs up. I can't tell you how much that helps and how important that is. Whether it be here or the MMA channel, subscribe here and youtube.com slash Fightful MMA Boxing. Until next time, guys, we are out.
2: This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working,